The following episode is brought to you by Poison City Brewing, proud makers of Durban Poison Cannabis Lager, the beer that invites you to live your poison. Uh, my introduction to you guys was basically um, sometime b- before the lockdown actually hit. Um, and I was super excited because it was going to be an opportunity for me to see you guys playing live um, and see you guys do your performance here at uh, Pits at the Polo. Um, and I think everyone oh. was, yeah, yeah, yeah. Everyone was super bummed that that got cancelled uh, because of you know lockdown and all that. There, I want you guys to walk me through pe- preparations for for that uh, Pits at the Polo gig. You know, for for everyone who's also a fan who's listening through from Durban and Hillcrest, as we know, Pits at the Polo is usually hosted here. It was going to be the second one, and it was going to be mad epic. So, you know, what preparations did you guys go through when you when you guys heard that you know what you're going to be playing Pits at the Polo because it's a very well-respected event uh, around you know this atmosphere well of course like with most things that we do we we put all you know well basically we we say anything worth doing is worth overdoing so when we heard we were playing put the polo we said how can we take this opportunity and really take it to the max how can we show people that we're going to do this the marine way which is of course overdoing everything <laughs> so uh, we were going to find a way to bring you know, all the martial lamps, the drum kit, the keyboard, everything from Cape Town to, to uh, Durban. We were going to make sure that we were able to put on one hell of a lighting show by finding out uh, who does the, the, the uh, big lighting and stuff like that in Durban. And then we were going to be in contact with Fireworks for Africa, who um, we were going to use at uh, Ramfest um, to actually help us bring some uh, amazing effects and uh, yeah, special effects and explosions and things like that to put at the polo as well. So it was really going to be one hell of a, um, a performance and one hell of a show and definitely something that the people in Durban uh, probably had never seen before on, on a stage in Durban. So I think we were really going to give the audience of the Polo something really special. And, you know, I'm still really bummed at the fact that we couldn't play because uh, I was really looking forward to coming out there. It would have been our first time in Durban. I think that the people in Durban really would have uh, enjoyed and, and thoroughly um, they would have uh, seen us and 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 uh, understood not only why we do what we do, but they would have uh, appreciated. I think more than than um, cities that get to go and see big shows all the time. You know, you you almost never hear of of artists going to Durban. They always go to either Johannesburg or Cape Town. You know, and there's just this crowd of people in Durban that are always wanting to see acts like Iron Maiden, like you know, Kiss, like so on and so forth. And um, I think that for that Durban crowd, uh, we would have been able to give them that type of show. So, mm. yeah. Mm, yeah. And I think, you know, uh, my, my follow-up question to that was actually going to be, you know, what you mean when you say that the Marine way is basically you guys overdoing everything. Um, but I think you, you basically put it in, into into perspective when you said that you guys are going to go all out, uh, you know, explosions everywhere, fireworks everywhere, lighting and everything like that there. Is this something that you guys sort of had from the onset, you know, when Marine first started out? Um, or is this something that you guys sort of developed over time? Well, Marine has always been the type of band where we've said every stage that we play, we're playing as if it's a stadium. Whether it's five people, 10 people, 50 people, we play those people as if it's 50,000 people. So every show we play, we give it our all. And we've, we've always wanted to strive to be the band that we never got to see live. 
and be the band that other people don't really get to see live. So when, when um, Marine started, it was really the vision to be, you know, um, something larger than life. I mean, there's a reason why we say we take artillery to a knife fight, you know, because you really pack a punch. Mm, yeah yeah that makes that makes a lot of sense man and i think even you know all the way down to your guys's social media you know there's nothing you look at you know how i don't want to compare bands and stuff but you know you guys have a very distinctive sort of look um you know there's this look that you guys have gone for and it's very original i haven't seen many bands you know uh down here in south africa that you know take it that far usually with bands um, it's usually just, you know, a bunch of friends that come through wearing whatever the hell, but with you guys, it seems like there's like a, uh, a theme that is very much part of your guys' DNA. Tell me a bit more about that. You know, what is your look sort of inspired by, or who is it inspired by? Yeah. So, uh, our entire look is sort of an extension of our philosophy to, um, to putting on the show. You know, if you, if you think about it, um, it's really disrespectful uh, for a musician to get up on stage in front of you know hard-working paying fans who paid good money to uh, come and see this person perform live uh, and the musician or the artist just comes up onto stage like he's just woken up from bed you know messy hair messy clothes doesn't care what he's looking like you know maybe there's some stains in his shirt or whatever his pants you know it's just embarrassing it's quite unprofessional. And um, Tal and I have been involved in music senior in Cape Town for some while. And um, we've always had this thing of, you know, we want to be the band that we never got to see, uh, which is why Marina started in the first place, like Tal said. But um, with that goes this, the idea of, okay, we've never seen this band, right? So how would they look like? Okay. And if you look at international, um, if you look at the international style bands, right? Um, take, for example, um, Iron Maiden, right? They've got an entire, you know, look about them. Yes, they, you know, they, they're kind of older guys now. But if you go back to the 80s, uh, same with Judas Priest, you know, it was the leather, it was the, the, it was the bondage gear, it was the studded spikes and things like that. It, um, it gives the audience, you know, a certain wow factor to behold. And it's also a case of, um, you know, certain people in the audience may feel like, oh, they'll never be able to pull that off in real life. But by watching and, you know, following a musician or someone who does live out that idea, um, it's a sense of they live vicariously through that person. So it's like, wow, you know, I can just be like that uh, if I try a little bit harder. Or, um, yeah, but oh, the another important thing that... Uh, we um, focus on when it comes to our look, especially on stage, is, is the colors. Um, so in the past, we were extremely bright. And I think that's such an, an amazing thing because uh, if you compare us to other people uh, that we just go on stage in like these black pants, black shirt, black shoes, you know, like, what are you doing? The stage is lit up with these amazing lights and here you are blending into the curtains, into the background, also the stage floor, you know, it just doesn't make sense. And so we said to ourselves, you know, how can we separate ourselves in a way that will make us not only stand out on stage, but stand out uh, from anything that's ever been done before. And um, with, uh, apart from uh, the choreography that we do, it's, it's, it's the whole aspect of, you know, it's like the look that's so important. So yeah, mm. that's, that's basically the nutshell. I mean, I once, there was once someone I was chatting to that said, look, I know you guys are going to be successful because, uh, 
you guys are worried about what color guitar straps you're using, you know, so I can guarantee that you're definitely looking at the details, yeah. you know. Um, and um, that's where it comes from is, is we look at the details. I mean, if you're going to go watch a band, majority of bands just stand still. So, you know, the lead guitars will always be on the right and the bassist will be on the left. The singer will be in the middle and the drummer at the back and they don't move. So if you're standing 10 rows, 30 rows, 40 rows out, you know, okay, lead guitarist, bassist, you know, that's how it is. Maybe they move like within a circle in that area and then they go back to the amp and they turn it up and they come back. They don't move. We move. So at one point in the song, I'll be on the left side of the stage. The other side, I'll be on other like part of the song will be on the right. Then I'll be behind the drummer. Then I'll be on the drummer. Then I'll be in the front. And same with Ozzy. We're always moving because I like to think of the stage as a portrait, as a painting. And if you go to an art gallery and you just look at a painting, you're oh, this is great but nothing moves. And so you just look at the painting, but it's not doing anything. You know, if you go and you, you, you watch a live show, you want it to move because you want it to be a sort of like a movie, a moving painting. <clears throat> so the only way that you get to um, recreate the painting is, is you move. So when I move from the right side of the stage all the way to the left, all right, mm. I change that painting. And this is one of the main reasons why there's no one ever in the middle of a Marine stage because mm. everybody is equal. So the singer is all the way on the left, a stage left, and the backing vocals are on the stage right. If Ozzy's singing, he'll be on the left. If I'm doing backing vocals, I'll be on the right. Um, this is how we operate. Um, and that just gives everybody the, the uh, ability to shine. Um, and so basically, when you're standing 40 rows out and you go, oh, who, who, where are these, who's who in the zoo on the stage, right? That's what would happen if we weren't wearing our colors. But if I'm wearing purple and I run all the way to the left, people 40 rows out be like, oh, that's Tyler over there in the purple. And he's moving, you know, those visual colors help us to, to visualize the movement on the stage and to visualize where, I guess you could say, your favorite member of the band is in where in the song and so on and so forth. And so, um, yeah, that sort of identification of those colors, um, not only does it make us bright, it makes us stand out, it creates a uniform, it creates you know, a, um, I guess you could say a, uh, battle gear. Okay. It's, um, it allows our fans and people to come and watch us to identify where the members are and actually be able to see that, look, we're moving around, we're giving you a show, we're putting on a performance and we're changing that painting. Mm, this is really beautiful, man. I don't think like in the history of Sludge, you ever had a band that pays this much attention to detail. And it's clearly working for you guys. I mean, uh, there, there are a lot of, you know, good things that have come from you guys being a band. I saw the other day, you know, on your on your guys' Instagram there, um, on your bio, one of the things that's written there is a Standard Bank Silver Ovation Award. Now, for someone who is not familiar with what that is, you know, give us some insights on, on what that particular award is for and how you guys basically, you know, were able to, to get something like that and achieve something so great. Well, so this all started with the fact that majority of festivals, when you go and apply for them, they say, what festivals have you played before? How many have you played before on the form? And when we were quite young and still starting out, um, we put zero and then that automatically cancels you out of the freaking, you know, getting into a festival. Mm. So um, I didn't know what to do. And then a friend of mine said, oh, you guys should try the Grahamstown Arts Festival in the Eastern Cape um, because, you know, it's, it's still, I guess you could say, it's still counts as a festival. It's an arts festival and people there might actually receive you um, as a theater show. And I said, that's actually a great idea. 
And so I applied for it to play on the fringe, which is sort of like not on the main event, but slightly, it's just on the side. It's, it's basically there's this international thing called the fringe festivals and there's one in Dubai and so on and so forth. Anyways, so we applied for that and we got in and we played eight shows over, over five days. That was what we had to play. Hmm. And um, basically what happened is we played a show and they had a representative from the Ovation Award committee come and watch us. And word of mouth spread throughout the committee that they had to come and watch us. Um, and so after watching us uh, play the eight shows, uh, we're sitting in, um, in, the, in our little like uh, accommodation where we're staying. And we, we checked the, the local uh, uh, newspaper. And there in the Standard Bank Ovation Award um, little um, advertisement space, I could say, uh, it said Marine uh, for, you know, outstanding performance uh and i was like what and so we were invited to the award ceremony at the national arts festival and uh, we won the silver standard bank ovation award um so that was such a big achievement uh for us because you know what what the feedback was from us is that we really put on a spectacle and we didn't just play music but we combined all of the arts that were present at the arts festival from drama to music, to dancing, choreography. And so for them, we were exceptionally deservant of this award. Hmm. And um, when he came back from that, you know, I was, that's when I really grasped the idea that we've got something special for a bunch of, you know, people from all across South Africa that are part of all kinds of different arts, whether it's theater, whether it's music, whether it's, you know, dance, for these mixed amount of people to say that we're something special that really did hit the, you know, the nail in the coffin saying, you guys, there's no turning back now, you know, this is it. And what exactly does it take to sort of play, you know, eight shows over five days? That seems like a really daunting task. How did you guys sort of overcome? Well, um, the thing is, what I really suggest uh, people do, if they ever have to get to that uh, sort of level, I suppose, is um, get lots of sleep. I mean, (laughs) I remember I, I planned out a whole schedule leading up to going there. Um, with on an Excel spreadsheet, which said you have these hours off and this and that, and that's free time. And we go watch some of the other shows between these times and hours. And uh, it wasn't like that. We didn't stick to any of that stuff because we would play a show, get back to the accommodation and sleep. And then about, uh, you know, four hours later, we'd have to go and play another one. Mm. So uh, I think we had one day off. So we actually played like pretty much two shows a day, uh, one in the afternoon and one in the evening. Um, and it really pushes your, not only your vocals to the limit, but your actual physicality, because remember we choreograph the whole show. So if you, if you're in the wrong place at the wrong time, you're getting a foot to the face. Mm. So, um, you have to be not only standing in the right place, but playing the right thing. And when you're on your eighth show and that's your second show for the day and your body's aching and your muscles are sore, but you look out into the audience and you, so then you say these people paid good money to come and watch us you know that's what gives you the inspiration and the drive to just keep going put on the show give them what they deserve so um look i'm not going to say it was easy it was difficult because we had to lug all the gear to the venue set it all up sound check play okay Mm -hmm. and then pack it all up pack all the lights up pack everything we brought our own lights our own amps our own drum kit our own everything um and so we had to pack all that stuff up and then pack it out and then pack all that stuff up and then pack it out and then pack all that stuff up you know eight times so um 
yeah, look, luckily we had a lot of boohoo water and we had a lot of bananas because that's what kept us going. <laughs> yeah, dude, if ever there was a winning formula, man, uh, it makes a lot of sense. You know, and the one thing that you guys mentioned as well earlier, you know, when you were touching on the performance elements and, you know, dressing up and and basically not giving people a, a, a half-ass show, you guys remind me of another band that we've had on that's actually associated with your guys' manager, Devo. Shout out to him, um, Deadline, who also go out there and they give people a show. Now, this would be a consistent factor when we're looking at, you know, two bands that are that are that are managed by Devo and both of them just go all out when it comes to performances. Is this would you say that he plays a certain part um in in in, in you guys, you know, being, you know, the sort of band that you are when it comes to live performance at all? Or is this more just like, you know, his his, his job is strictly just being the manager and you guys do you? I think that, you know, remember we weren't always with with uh, Devo, so mm. I mean, we we only started uh, joining up with with Devo after he saw us at Winterfest in 2019, and you know we had we'd gone there with 20,000 rands worth of LED screens plus lights plus our own sound engineer plus 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 um, smoke machines, you name it, we had it. Sparklers, thing that shoot off guitars, we oh. had it all there. And uh, David uh, saw these, pretty much saw the show. Um, and then he sent us a mail saying, guys, I really love what you guys are doing. I think that, you know, I can do this for you and that for you. And I think that, you know, we'd make a good partnership and team. And we had a, a meeting with him on Skype and he uh, pretty much said, you know, if you guys really want to take this to the next level, you got it. And I said to David, um, look, we're not interested unless, uh, you know, we can get all the way to the top because, uh, you know, that's the way we do it in Marine. It's, it's all go, you know, mm. we don't take our foot off the pedal. So um, that's when we signed up with David. And, you know, I think it's been the perfect fit because he gets us. And I think he understands what we're trying to do, you know. Mm. So it's always great to have sort of, I guess you could say, a sixth member of Marine because David Reddy is that. Mm, yeah i'd actually i'd actually back that bro like I, I completely understand why you guys would have you know gotten into working with him even after you said you know it's 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 all or nothing basically and thereafter everything you know went went on you know smooth sailing and whatnot so, yeah my experience with him as well has been really you know amazing he scolded me a few times with some of the the shitty things that might have happened in the past and i really appreciate that very professional and i think you guys really are in good hands so shout out to devo shout out to to that partnership between you guys and something that ozzy actually mentioned earlier in passing um is that you know he, he threw in the word Cape Town in there, you know, being a band, you know, from Cape Town, doing everything from there. What is the, what is the scene like in Cape Town? I always, like, I always like to find out, you know, from musicians that are based from there or, or basically originate from there because you, you never really hear, or rather when you come from Durban, um, things that are happening in, in Cape Town aren't necessarily as in your face as they are, as the things that come through from Joburg maybe. So, you know, from Marine, you know, what has sort of the music scene, you know, been like that side and how has it been for a band? You know, you guys call yourself um, uh, basically considered as a flash rock uh, or you're flash rockers. So how, how has the scene been in Cape Town for a band that would consider themselves a flash rock band? We'll be right back. You still loading them and heating them up with all your single shit you've been dropping. You yeah. feel me? Loading them up on it. It only takes structure, and, and you know just paying attention to the climate of the game. Yeah, know what I mean. So do do your homies uh got a role in your in your little? You mean? Yeah, yeah. We all we all artists over here, man. I'm trying. Oh yeah, I'm trying. Yeah. I'm trying. Oh, yeah. I'm trying to yeah. get them on there. Yeah, yeah. Damn, me, me. Yo, look, 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 look
we all artists, man. We go, you feel me? We gonna have this like. Bro, me and my man, like me and my man Kyle, we be like, I don't know, we play, we play with this <laughs> shit. Right now. With this I gotta lie, we play with this shit right now for for. Oh, I don't, play with, it, don't play with it. Take that shit sir. So um, I think um, well before locked uh, the virus hit uh, the country, Cape Town was um, it was a very interesting scene. Me personally, um, I come from I come from the jazz uh, scene in Cape Town, so I was introduced to the to the more I want to underground rock heavy metal sort of scene um, when I joined Marine, and it was absolutely a wonder to behold. Um, venues like Mercury would be like the melting pot of the most interesting genres uh, within. Uh, Cape Town, because um, I mean, you'd have bands like Ginger from like, um, and they're like a big international band, you know, come and play, mm-hmm. and um, you know, like you could go out to various venues um, within Cape Town, and you'll find like amazing bands like the Medicine Dolls, which uh, um, which we're quite good friends with, and um, they have this fantastic sound that just reminds you of like, you know, sort of like eighties with like a 2000s spin on um, it and um, you've got a you've got really hard metal bands as well um, so for example when we played Winterfest um, we were the oh we were like Justin Bieber um, <laughs> compared to the other bands there because remember those <laughs> the bands at, at that festival uh, when we played in 2019 they were like like super super hardcore like I, I can't even explain it. Like scary, you know. <laughs> and um, here we come with our colorful clothes and bright lights, and you know harmonies, um, and everyone has a chance to sing and this choreography. Like it was weird, you know. Like we didn't expect them to take a chance on us, but you know, shout out to Metal for Africa and Patrick um, for giving us the opportunity. And I certainly think that you know, it's because of that that uh, that that chance that they took on us that we are here where we are today. And um, we had the fantastic opportunity of uh, opening uh, Ramfest uh, in Cape Town um, last year, mm. and that was just that was just the high, the well, the last high point that we had uh, achieved um, as a band because um, uh, you know that was a festival for me personally. That was a festival that I dreamed of going to uh, as a kid. Um, so being able to play it was just like, Phew, the stars were aligned, you know. And uh, it was at that festival, uh, you know, that um, if you've never been to a, a metal festival in Cape Town, like that, that was the best of the best because literally the best bands in the entire Western Cape. And, um, and uh, they, they just, they came together and they put on this fantastic show, right? And we had a mix from, you know, the more like, I won't say heavy, heavy rockers like, um, uh, Franco Van Koch and his band, um, we had like bands like The Valley, which aren't like really like super, super hardcore. And then we go to bands like Facing the Gallows and uh, the Headliners. Peasant. Yeah, Peasant, the Headliners from America, um, Black Dahlia Murder. So um, I think the scene in Cape Town is really, really amazing. Um, I think that uh, there's a lot of creativity and um we just need to get back to that point where we could start, like, you know, uh, sharing it with each other at live venues. Mm. 
Yeah, you know, the, the incredible thing is that, you know, you guys have basically, you know, being together as the band that you are as Marine, you know, as you mentioned there, you've played Winterfest 2019, you've even played Ramfest, which is something massive. I think every band or every person that starts up a band, you know, or, or that's in basically the alternative realm, it's a, it's a massive dream for them to go and play Ramfest and, and a show like Winterfest as well. So you guys have achieved a lot you know, as a band. And basically you're at a point right now where if somebody said Marine, they know that we're talking about a dedicated group of musicians. They're talking about heavyweights when it comes to the South African, you know, alternative scene. So basically with that name in mind, Marine, how did you guys sort of come up with that? What is the story behind that? When you have a name like Marine, it can mean a lot of things, but I think to the band, it means something really special. For instance, if you take, take a band like, uh, like Kiss, uh, their name actually stems from the fact that um, it can be either a kiss of death or it could be a very passionate kiss. And that, that um, is the same with Marine. Marine can mean multiple different things. Marine, a lot of people say for them is like, you know, the battle hardened warriors that go into, you know, fight uh, overseas, the Marines, you know, mm. but for us, it, it's more on the sort of passionate side because Marine for me is it's the ocean. It's the ocean life. It's the tides. And much like the tides, you know, music is like the ocean tides. Genres and what people like in music, it all comes in and out like the ocean tides. And what Marine is, Marine really is the next big tidal wave that's going to hit the shore. And it's going to bring back that explosive, energetic show. Because remember, we're flash rock. And what is flash rock? Flash rock is a visual element, which is the flash with an audio element, which is the rock. And so we are going to bring in the next tidal wave of flash rock. We're gonna bring in the next tidal wave of, of bands that get up on stage and give you your money's worth in terms of performance. We are the band that's gonna bring in that next big, you know, wave. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, that's pretty much the, the idea behind Marine. Um, and um, yeah, I mean, look, um, when, when I first heard them name Marine, um, and it, it came to mind, um, it was like, Hmm, this is, this is kind of interesting, um, because it could mean a lot of different things. Uh, of course we thought about different things, um, about having something with tides in the name, but, but I think we eventually settled on Marine because I think everybody knows what Marine is. I think it's one of those things where, um, where again, you have your own meaning attached to it. You can either think it's some sort of, you know, war uh, hero, or you can think that it's uh, something to do with the ocean life. And that's all comes down to your interpretation of our show. Mm. So, yeah. Just wanted to, uh, you know, solidify Tyler's point of the ocean life. Yeah. That, um, you know, the ocean operates in tides and we want to bring back that tide of good rock and roll and good showmanship. Mm. Mm-hmm. No, that makes it makes a lot of sense, bro. It, it, it's it sort of you know puts things into perspective as well. And is that something basically that you know when it comes to the lyrical content and things that you guys actually write about, you know, and the music itself, is it linked somehow to you know to what you guys just mentioned about Marine sort of being so relatable to sort of anything or, or what you make it basically, you know, the Marines out fighting the states on Marine life and whatnot. Does that sort of also then translate into your lyrical content and the things that you guys write about and it being so, you know, versatile and whatnot? 
I think the lyrical content comes from pretty much um, the mentality of um, the fact that that everybody writes their own songs in the band. So any songs I sing, I write. The songs Ozzy sings, he writes. And, um, you know, I write about experiences. I write about good times. So a lot of the time I write about women because, you know, if anyone's ever been with a woman, you know that uh, you're always going to have one hell of an amazing time with them. They're such amazing, you know, uh, people, every single one of them. We love we love women in Marine. Um, and Ozzy, on the other hand, you know, he's writing and that sort of thing comes from maybe some way darker. But I think that also is a perfect example of who we are on stage. You know, I, I'm the front man, I'm the Toastmaster General, if you wish, of the immoral majority, who is our audience. Um, and um, I, I lead the show through my sort of flamboyance and, and um, Ozzy on the other side is the complete juxtaposition of that, you know. He, um, you know, rolls around on stage, creeps and crawls and intimidates the audience. And I think that comes through in his, in his writing, like with uh, Bad Intentions, you know, which is, well, Ozzy can talk more about that. <laughs> what a fantastic description of our dynamic on stage, Tyler. Thank you very much. Um, so, yes, uh, the funniest story that ever happened to me in my life so far was at Winterfest, we, uh, we played a little, we had a bass solo. And after the solo, uh, I spat blood on stage. And this entire group of heavy metal um, people were just like losing their minds because no one does that, you know, like who spits blood on stage? And so um, afterwards, um, I sang a song called Devil Is You. <laughs> and that was the most hardcore I have ever seen a room go in my entire life. And I had the privilege of leading them in this headbanging church. It was amazing. Mm. And so, um, yeah, uh, so in, in, in that vein, uh, a song like Bad Intentions of our EP um, it's it's quite a dark song. Um, if you at first, if you listen to the song, you won't really understand, you know, what it's about, mm. unless you really catch it and put it together. But essentially, what it's about is um, gender violence, right? Mm. And uh, seeing as though we wrote this, um, uh, we did we recorded this EP, sorry, during uh, lockdown. You know, gender violence was a big thing uh, that was happening in our country at the time. So we thought, you know, let's let's put it to words. And um, we said, okay, let's let's put it from a different perspective, you know. Um, so the entire song is about a man who has in bad intentions um, towards a woman, right? Yeah. But um, it's sort of from a critical perspective of um, the idea that we understand that this, the, these people they need help, you know, they are something's wrong with them. Um, there's you know there's nothing good that they can do. So uh, that was the idea behind the song. Mm. And uh, it's, it's, it's quite a dark song, uh, I would think. But that's what's beautiful about the EP is that um, it's, it's cut down the middle uh, perfectly because we've got really uh, amazing, happy songs and really like sort of, I don't want to say scary, but I mean, like, uh, it's absolutely a stark contrast to whatever um, the other songs are. So... Um, yeah, so that's just the dynamic that we have in the band. Um, uh, and with Tyler and I, that's our dynamic. 
<laughs> I think that paints a really good picture, you know. What I really enjoy about this chat is that you guys are able to to justify everything that you've done so far and paints a really good picture. I feel like nothing's sort of happened by chance. Everything is sort of deliberate. And I think that's one of the things that, that's good that you guys have going for you. Um, we were basically focused, you know, on the music that you guys make. And um, it's no secret that you guys, you know, recently released a single uh, called Something's Out There and basically released it in February. So tell us a bit more about that for anyone who hasn't heard the song. Um, you know, what sort of went into that song being created? Well, Oz, <laughs> I think you're the best person for this. <laughs> uh, sorry, what is the question? My Something's wrong with my audio. Okay, no problem, bro. I was asking what sort of went into creating the song Something's Out There. Oh, fantastic question. So, um, you know, Something's Out There is uh, great as a song about uh, our feelings that we had uh, during lockdown. So, you know, at first when we heard the news that this virus was uh, coming to South Africa, uh, nobody really knew how to react to it. So we didn't really know, like, okay, what is this thing? How do we deal with it and how do we move forward, right? Mm. So there was something out there, um, quite literally and figuratively. And, uh, you know, a lot of people were filled with anxiety, panic, sometimes depression, you know, it's just a torrent of uh, emotions. When we wrote that song, um, we sort of put all of that into words, right? Because uh, we, 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 we didn't know what to expect, right? Uh, gigs have been cancelled, uh, like, musicians everywhere it's just you know been dropped by everything and so we said you know let's just put our feelings into a song and boom there you go something's out there and i think it uh, it, it perfectly encapsulates uh, the entirety of the um, ep because like i said uh, previously uh, you know the ep is half and half of uh, you know positivity and sort of anxiety depression worry and something's out there is like this all encapsulating, encapsulating song that I think uh, a lot of people will, will resonate with um, in terms of the lyrics. Yeah, well, it's not just about, you know, COVID and the pandemic. Something's out there is about anything you're afraid of. It's about, you know, it's taken from the perspective of a child that is lying in their bed late at night. Their parents just, uh, you know, tuck them in, close the door, the lights turned off. And, um, you know, you think, what's under my bed? What's in the corner? What's watching me? There's something out there that's going to get me. And uh, much like that child lying in that bed, you know, we, we were that child lying in that bed wondering what's out there in the dark, um, you know, at the beginning of uh, March last year. Um, but yeah, it, it really does um, not just sit with the pandemic, but also moves into anything and everything that you're afraid of. It makes a lot of sense, guys. And you, you did mention there, obviously, um, Ozzy, that, you know, you mentioned the EP and that it also followed. It followed after the single, um, Something's Out There, being the full EP as well. And sort of walk me through the recording process of that, how that came about, because we generally, you know, on the show, a lot of bands come through and they, they love giving shout outs to, to the audio engineer, people behind all of that there. So basically when it comes to the actual audio and production and everything like that there, who do we have to thank for this amazing body of work? Well, actually the sounds kind of really, uh, what's the word? Um, <laughs> uh, cocky, but, uh, I, I think we have to thank me. <laughs> um, I pretty much record 
basically we had an album that is that was put on hold because uh, we weren't able to get into the studio to record it and uh, we were sitting around doing you know nothing uh, with the band during during lockdown and we'd written these this material and it was just too good to not record and so what happened was I um, I took some of the savings that I had um, and then I, I built an entire studio room in uh, the spare room in uh, our house. And uh, I put up sound panels, bought uh, monitors, bought uh, some Lewitt microphones. Um, and basically, I ran cabling to my bedroom where we uh, recorded the guitar amps. So we had a, a full Marshall 4 by, you know, 4 by 12 stack mm. in the um in the bedroom with a with a, some Lewitt mics in front of it, and then that all ran to the studio room, where uh, we tracked it. So we didn't use um, you know any sort of simulators, nothing like that, because um, you know if you're using too much technology on a recording, you're not making music; you're making a science project. Hmm. So um, we we really did everything analog, in the sense of we had real amps, um, you know, and real vocals. We we did it, you know to the max of our ability to really pull off something larger than life. Cause I think people are sick and tired of, of hearing, you know, over polished work. So yes, there are mistakes in our EP. Yes, there are mistakes in the mixing, but that's what, that's what makes it real. That's what makes it uh, human. That's what makes it Marine. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, so basically we recorded all of ourselves. I mixed about 75% of it. And then, um, you know, we uh, brought in Alan Simmons, who is an amazing, amazing audio engineer from uh, Cape Town, very well known in the scene. He's worked with a lot of bands and um, he pretty much just uh, helped me uh, fix up one or two things. He helped with the drums and, and a bit of the um, phasing issues. And then uh, we sent it off to the UK um, to get uh, mastered by Akil Carney from uh, Tesseract. Mm. So um, with his studio of 40 sounds. So, you know, um, and this, we, we mixed it, we recorded it. Yeah. We recorded it and mixed it in about two months. Sure. So, um, it was, you know, long hours. We had a month to record a month to, to mix master and have ready, you know? Yeah, it was, it was crazy. Um, but you know, once again, you get three types of people in this world, people that, you know, put a gun in their mouth, people to put a needle in their arm and, you know, people to roll up their sleeves and get to work. And I really like to think that Ozzy and I, other type of people that, you know, when the going gets tough, we roll up our sleeves and get to work. And, you know, um, that sort of work ethic of not taking our foot off the pedal is what sort of gotten us here this far. So why stop? And I think that's what's really um, pushed us now. We've already started um, working on the next EP. We actually wanted to put out this year as well. So we saw the success and we saw that uh, people are really hungry to uh, have some more Marine. Uh, we decided that uh, we will give it to them. So, yeah, we started working on a brand new EP. And uh, we're hoping to put that out around about October. So, Sure. That is incredible, man. You literally just gave us an exclusive right there. Are you in a position to talk a bit more about that EP that you guys have started working on? I mean, what do you have at the moment? Well, right now, I think we have... What's going to be really special about this next EP is... So I've got two songs in it. Um, Ozzy has two songs in it. The keyboardist Marine, she will have her own song in it. And then uh, the lead guitarist has a song. Uh, we just need to see whether he's going to sing it or Ozzy's going to sing it. But I think that um, uh, the next EP is going to have, you know, um, it's going to have uh, six songs in it. So it's a little bit longer and a little bit bigger than the uh, the previous one. But that's how it goes with Marine, you know. We've mm -hmm. got to uh, one-up ourselves because, you know, <laughs> when you 
it's it's just like you know boxing you know you're not boxing the person in front of you you're boxing the man in the mirror you know you're, you're boxing yourself mm. and so that's what a marine does you know we, we're up against ourselves and we're always trying to outcompete ourselves so mm. um yeah it, i think that the next ep that we do put out is going to be um seriously some of the best work we've ever done and uh, that's because again i'll be mixing it with uh, alan again and uh We'll see if Aquil's up for, for mastering the next one too. But I, I think that, that that partnership with the three of us is, uh, has worked so well with the EP, Why Stop? Um, so yeah, the next one is really going to be, I think, something special, especially because um, I'm going to be getting some new microphones. Uh, I'm going to be um, really upping the, the um, I guess you could say, expenditure on the next one to really uh, to make it larger than life and bigger than uh, the previous one. So... But that's nothing against the work that we have uh, put out uh, so far. You know, this EP that's out now is still some of the best work we've ever put out. And uh, I highly suggest you you give this a listen. You don't stop playing it until October when, of course, you can put on the next one. So, um, yeah. Hey, that is very beautiful, dude. Like I, you know, the way that you explain it and, you know, the amount of effort that, you know, the three of you have put into its sound in the way that it does. Bro. I think even to any listener that hasn't listened to it, bro, it's, it's, it's incentive for, for, for them to basically go and, you know, just basically stream it and whatnot. So I'd also highly encourage that people get onto that. Now, guys, just looking at the fact that we are, you guys have been mentioning it yourself as well lockdown and some of that being an influence as well in the music that you've released you know recently um how did you guys sort of cope with that you know how did you sort of we obviously do hear it in some of your music and and some of the stuff like you said you know bad intentions and whatnot um the struggles that you know uh women were facing and whatnot and basically with you guys though as a band how did you sort of maneuver through lockdown because it is something that i don't think any band has experienced or anyone else has really experienced you know being locked out locked down having to stay indoors not do much not being able to meet up for band practice and all that how did you guys ensure that the band actually survived throughout that period well actually funny story um when when lockdown happened you know i i uh, bought a whole bunch of playstation games and just sat and vegetated for about two weeks <laughs> and then when i realized that it wasn't going to um you know go away um i realized i had to put down the controller and pick up a uh, pick up an instrument again and so um i i chatted to oz you know like oz how do you feel about doing some covers during lockdown so we, we uh, make it a challenge that every week of lockdown, we're going to put out a song. We're going to, to um, mix it and all ourselves and we're going to record it all ourselves. And um, we're going to try and do a, our version of this song. So we started off when we did Love Song by The Cure. Um, and then from there, we went on to do um, uh, some other songs like Vanilla Twilight by Owl City. We did uh, Even If She Falls In Love by Blink-182. We did uh, Ola Mu by um, Eurasia. So we did Jethro Tull. We did um, some more Cure. We did some Kiss stuff. Um, so every week we were putting out something new, Dire Straits, so on and so forth. And it was, it was awesome because it was music that we, we never get to do much. I mean, you know, Flash Rock, we don't really get to play, um, you know, Jethro Tull's sort of progressive hippie rock from the 60s. You don't get to play punk rock, Blink-182. We don't get to play electro dance like Eurasia, you know? So it was, and especially, you know, Vanilla Twilight by Al City, you know, Al City being an, a modern artist. So we, we never really go into that territory. So during lockdown, it really, it uh, forced us to be 
you know, uh, better musicians. Um, and also it forced us to, um, you know, play and sing and, you know, record music that we've, we've never done before. And uh, so that's how we sort of were pushing the envelope. And surprisingly enough, that's what really led us to do the, um, the EP because I said, you know, we've been doing all these covers. I think we did like 12 or something like that. And um, it was a case of we've done 12 of these songs. I've had so much practice. I feel confident enough to record an EP for the band myself. And that's what sort of uh, led me to actually ditch the headphones and the, uh, the one microphone and actually build a, a proper sort of studio type thing, you know. Uh, so yeah, I mean, Ozzy, you probably can chat from your side regarding the uh, the uh, recordings during lockdown that we were doing. The recordings, like Tyler said, were a challenge. Uh, so instead of just you know sitting and doing nothing, letting our talents go to waste, uh, I think it was such a a great thing to do because it led us to um, record the EP. And uh, I know uh, I started to learn a lot more about mixing at the time. Um, Tyler, Tyler was actually uh, used to help me um, learn, and through that process, he learned a whole lot more as well. And so, I think sooner or later, the more we do this, uh, we'll be able to maybe, you know, put out an album ourselves. Um, but yeah, at the beginning, it was quite a challenge because, of course, we I wasn't prepared for this, so recording was quite difficult. But um, um, yeah, we you know we made a plan and uh, and we got a lot of positive reception to it. Uh, so I think it was just you know one of those cases where it's like you know you're gonna sit in your hands and do nothing or you're gonna you know make something that will last forever. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I know it, it's it's really it's a beautiful story, man. Like especially the parts where Tyler was just saying that you know initially, like for the first two weeks, he just whipped out the PlayStation game and started jamming. What were you playing, bro? Just before you even move on, dude, I got my first platinum trophy during lockdown. That tells you everything what? you need to know. <laughs> yeah, so dude, it was on the amazing. It was on the the Spider Man uh, PlayStation Four game. So that was. <laughs> that, that, yeah, I, I was super chuffed with that. I was playing Uncharted for the Spider-Man. I finished Doom 2016 finally. Wow. So um, I, yeah, finally, you know, I didn't have to go to work and then go to band practice, then go to this and go to that. And, yeah. You know, because being in the band is a lot more difficult than you think. Um, because uh, to be a frontman, you know, you can't sit there with your beer book. You actually got to do something about it. So um, you know, I gym twice a week. Uh, we uh, we do vocal lessons. So we do. Um, band we practice twice a week as well um plus you know normal uh, you know well for me it's 7 30 till 5 uh, you know working hours um, yeah. and in my job as a sales rep so when i'm not driving i'm working out when i'm not working out we're playing music and we're not playing music we have vocal lessons so every day you know as a member of marine i get home at at 8 p.m sure. so um so that uh, tells you everything you need to know you know we live such busy lives Mm. Um, and that's because we, we love our craft and we love what we do. You know, if anyone ever says, oh man, I hate being a musician, mm. rather don't be one, you know, cause you got to love what you got to do. And, you know, you, you got to sort of love to, to, um, to better yourself as a musician and you got to uh, be able to put in the time because that's the only way you're going to get something out. 
Mm, this is very beautiful man love the way you explained it um before i mean you're almost at the end of the show obviously and uh, i just want to touch on, on another point that you actually mentioned earlier um we do know that you you might be releasing the ep or the next ep in october still early days because you know you guys you know the recent one that you guys dropped like literally dropped like last month but i really want to know you you mentioned that you guys had an album that you guys had to sort of you know put on the shelf because um of of certain circumstances and whatnot when can we expect that that to come out oh man you know i think it's like with most things um an album is, is such an expensive thing to put out mm. um and when you put that out and it's a culmination of, of all your work and you're working with uh, some serious producers and, and you're working with uh, serious gear and, and really putting out something that is next level um i think you don't want to waste that on um you know just releasing it digitally and just leaving it there Mm. Uh, we want to tour this we want to take it out we want to really make something of it and um, so we can't really do that uh, under the current constraints of lockdown so that's why we're, um, we're putting out these EPs it's, it's something that we can do it's something we can still put out good quality maybe not um, you know the next level of uh, you know of work that you would get with when working with uh, uh, massive producers um, but it, it is still something that I think is a, a, a notch above uh, what, what comes out um, of EPs a lot of the time. Yeah. So, um, yeah, we, we really wanted to wait until the right time to put it out where we feel as though we can go out there and actually play it and actually perform it. But the songs that make up the album, you know, are, um, are safe songs, I guess you could say. It's songs that people know from us. It, it's songs that when you come and watch us live, you know they're going to be in the set list. Mm. And that that's uh, the songs on the album are a culmination of, uh, you know, three, four years of uh, writing songs, playing songs live and seeing where the audience loves them or not. Yeah. So the, the album is really going to be one hell of a bang for your buck. But that's what makes the EP so much more scarier to put out because, um, you know, we've, we've never played this stuff live. We don't know what the reception of this, you know, these songs are going to be. Um, but, you know, that's what that's what uh, I guess you could say makes it uh, so cool as well as when you put it out and people love it. I mean, I think the most surprising thing for me is the reception that we've had for the synthwave remix that we've done. You know, we've taken one of our songs and we said, you know, um, I think the songs, which is something's out there, would work amazingly as a synthwave remix. And so I, I got in touch with a, a guy named uh, Gated Reverb. That's his little uh, artist name. He's mm. from uh, Norway. And he made nice. a whole bunch of synthwave remixes of Justin Bieber songs and um a whole bunch of other artists as well you know i got in contact with them I was like dude i love what you're doing with these artists um what do you think of doing a remix of this song he absolutely loved it and so he remixed it and he put out uh, you know something's out there synthwave remix which is number 23 on the mix fm charts right now oh, in Gauteng, nice. and and that's uh, that's amazing it debuted at number 23 so we're super proud of that mm. Yeah, that is really nice, dude. I think it would actually be fitting for us to close off with that Synthwave remix, actually, when we do get to the end of the show. Um, but obviously, you know, before we bow out, um, do you guys have anything that you guys want to... I mean, we've obviously, we obviously know what's coming up with you guys and all that, you know, with the next EP, looking at uh, an October date, um, gigs. Are there any gigs that are coming up? I know that we are under level one at the moment, so... Th- people have been booking gigs and doing all that. Can we expect to see you guys heading out anytime soon? Well, let's just say that Marine has been making our way back to the uh, Marine warehouse uh, for rehearsals twice a week. Mm. And uh, we started putting together a new show, which uh, involves some new songs from the EP. So um, 
let's just say that there's something in the pipeline and I'm sure we'll announce something soon. Hey, that is really dope, guys. So, you know, parting words uh, to, I think you referred to, to your fans as e- the immoral majority, uh, I think you said earlier. So, yeah, what do you, what do you guys want to say to them? You know, any special mess, uh, a special message that you want guys want to send through? Um, this is your chance. Yeah, I'd, um, first of all, I'd like to thank David for setting up this uh, fantastic meeting. Uh, I absolutely enjoyed the shout out to you. Um, secondly, I would like to say thank you to everyone who has listened to the EP and everyone who has bought the EP. Thank you so much. We really appreciate you. And um, yeah, thank you for so uh, thank you so much for the support. Um, we we really feel it, especially uh, for you know for to have two songs in the top forty chart. That means a lot. So thank you so much. Tyler? And as always. Marine loves you. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that is epic, guys. Thank you so much for, for, for having a chat with me. Uh, thank Diva as well for, for setting this up. It wouldn't be a thing without him. And obviously, yeah, guys, if people want to get in touch with you and all that, uh, what are your social media handles? You can follow us on Facebook as uh, Marine Band. You can follow us on Instagram as Marine underscore live. And um, you can find us all over all the streaming platforms, Apple Music, Deezer, Spotify, Tidal, whatever you listen to, we're on there and we're ready to blow you away. You know, all you got to do is plug in some headphones and get ready to meet your maker. Fire, fire promo right there, Tyler. Well done. Um, so we're going to be closing out with some things out there. The synth wave mix, um, currently doing really well, you know, in the airwaves. Before we close out, obviously, catch our episodes on SoundCloud, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. We are Sludge Underground Podcasts on those platforms and on Instagram at Sludge Underground, on Twitter at Sludge 031, Facebook at uh, Sludge Underground. As for myself, it's at Zwani 031. Cop that merchandise, guys. It's uh, down in the link below or rather below the description of this episode and y'all guys working together with casual sex so shout out to them and i once again want to thank marine for coming through to the show i really enjoyed chatting to tyler and ozzy today learned a lot about you guys and i really hope that the listeners as well learned a lot about you so uh, until next time guys it is bye for now <laughs>